Hey folks, welcome to a podcast about Catholic things. This is Eric, the ambassador of common sense, and I'm here with... And the ambassador of nonsense. Welcome everyone. And today we have with us none other than Randall Terry. Uh, if you listen to our podcast, you know who he is, but we've mentioned him before. Um, I don't know, the the ambassador of truculence? In a good way. Dissidence? <laughs> what do you think? What's your title? Me? Yeah. Um, you could call me the master of disaster. <laughs> that works. You okay. Could call me the founder of Operation Rescue, the host of Voice of Resistance. I don't resistance. know. Resistance. There you, we go. The it. ambassador of resistance. Um, we. I just want to say right off the bat, I'm very thankful that you invited me to be on your program wearing a T-shirt. I have never, ever done this. Hey. But it's actually some cross promotion. Yeah, that's a T-shirt that we used in um, our time travel movie called Time Boys Two, which is in post production. It's the name of a fictitious rock and roll band. Definitely and something that's me to when check I have my out. Really big yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll include the link on our uh, uh, notes about the uh, the podcast. Yeah. Sure. Um, you know, I, I mean, we always try to put movements in their historical context. Um, especially the pro-life movement, because a lot of people think that the pro-life movement started with 30 days or 40 days for life and the uh, Abby Johnson. Um, That's funny. But I, I, one of the things I really always want to know is, do you remember back when you first learned what abortion was, what your reaction that was? I don't remember my exact first uh, moment. It would have been in the seventies, would have been in the mid seventies. Mm -hmm. And I, I, the, the, the most stark memory is really weird. It was a bumper sticker that said abortion, pick on someone your own size. Mm -hmm. And I thought, yeah, mm -hmm. and I had just become a Christian in the fall of 76. Uh, some really devout evangelicals led me to the Lord. And thankfully Early on in my experience in Christianity, we, I had the overwhelming sense that abortion was wrong. And then as things progressed and I read different things and saw uh, Francis Schaeffer's series, Whatever Happened to the Human Race, then I, it became an unshakable conviction in me that abortion mm -hmm. was murder. Mm -hmm. So seventy six. But that was long before I had any <clears throat> sense that I was supposed to do something <laughs> yeah. to fight it. Well, 76, how old were you then? Hey, dude. Wow. I was like four. <laughs> <laughs> I was 17. Okay. So like just on that uh, verge of uh, so-called launching young man and, yeah. and ready to uh, kind of go and take on the world. Face the world. Yeah. So when was it that you decided you have to do something? So I became a believer in 76 in 78 I went to Elam Bible Institute, a great uh, evangelical charismatic Bible college in upstate New York. And at that time, I was very focused on evangelism and leading people to Christ and, and had unfortunately heard that there were social issues yeah. and that that wasn't part of the gospel. Mm. It was not a good Catholic theology that embraced the lordship of Christ over all aspects of life. So when I was a senior, they played the series, Whatever Happened to the Human Race. And 
it had a devastating impact on me. I just sat there and cried. I sobbed. I remember just shaking in my chair and thinking, God, this is so horrible. Somebody should do something about it. But still living with the delusion that, you know, it was somebody else's mm-hmm. job. I wasn't called to fight against the killing of babies. So I graduated from Bible school in 81. In, in the fall of 83, in a prayer meeting, I had a vision. I literally had a vision, which was not common for me. Uh, a woman came in saying, we need to pray about abortion. It's horrible. She had just seen a, a special on TV and a, on a Christian network and they showed dead babies. And, you know, I got that sinking feeling in my heart again. And then while we were in our little prayer groups <clears throat> and I was praying, I had a vision. I actually saw a scroll coming down in front of me with words on it, explaining to me what I was supposed to do to fight abortion. And I saw thousands of people sitting around abortion clinics and I saw myself on Donahue the TV show way back in the Mm day and I didn't know what to do I didn't tell anyone I was so freaked out but over time I started studying the scriptures and looking for a clue is this from God and found this this um body of thought in the scriptures about the shedding of innocent blood. Now, as Catholics, we know that the number one sin that cries for vengeance, that cries to God for vengeance, is the shedding of innocent blood. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I didn't know that at the time. But once I saw it in the scriptures, I was like, oh, wow, this vision probably was really from God. And interestingly, the phrase, the shedding of innocent blood in the scriptures, usually, not always, but usually refers to child sacrifice. Mm -hmm. It involves killing babies. Yeah. So that was the beginning of me, you know, kind of groping along. I didn't know about Joe Scheidler. Mm-hmm. I didn't know about pro-life activism. I had, because I wasn't traveling in those circles. Right. And I knew that Francis Schaefer uh, ha- had been speaking out against abortion. I had read a couple of his books, Whatever Happened to the Human Race, Um a Christian manifesto. So he was kind of like the odd man out, you know, for mm-hmm. a lot of your viewers are young yeah, and they don't, they don't even know who I'm talking about, but Francis Schaefer, Jerry Falwell, Pat Robertson, mm-hmm. D James Kennedy, you know, these uh, <clears throat> James Dobson, these guys were all mega stars in the evangelical world. Yeah, right. In the Catholic world, we had Cardinal O'Connor. Mm-hmm. We had, uh, Bishop Austin Vaughn from New York. But there was not this intense street level activism going on anywhere. And so when I had this vision and I started reading the works of Francis Schaeffer and I was reading him, he he was really pushing civil disobedience, civil disobedience. And, but he wasn't doing Mm -hmm. it. And then I, I watched a series about Dr. Martin Luther King who called eyes on the prize and it had it was just this inspirational look at the civil rights movement and how they used nonviolent civil disobedience and protest yeah. to break the back of the Jim Crow mm-hmm. laws. Right. Um, and so those two things together, my, the, or the vision that I had, my reading of Francis Schaeffer, my study of 
Dr. King, and I read, you know, his book, Why We Can't Wait, Stride Toward Freedom, The Letter from the Birmingham Jail. I read his wife's biography on him. All of these things just kind of had a convergence in my mind. And that was the genesis of Operation Rescue, Mm -hmm. which, again, for your younger viewers and listeners, Operation Rescue is the largest peaceful civil disobedience movement in American history. Hmm. You think, so this, you're, are you saying that, I mean, are you saying bigger than the uh, civil dis- disobedience led by Martin Luther King? Yes. Uh, the, the civil rights movement had a little over 7,000 arrests mm-hmm. from 1958 to 1968. Operation Rescue from 1987 to 1994 accumulated well over 70,000 wow. arrests. Wow. I, I did not realize that. it was so big. I didn't know where massive. our family was that much part of history because we've had quite a few members uh, in jail in Operation nice. Rescue. Mm-hmm. I love it. <clears throat> so well, Yeah, it was, uh, it was huge. I mean, there were times the, the largest number of clergy arrested in America happened with Operation Rescue. Mm-hmm. In our May... Our May 1st event in 1988, might have been May 2nd, we had 51 clergy arrested at one event. Wow. wow. That, that, didn't, that didn't include hundreds of lay people. Mm-hmm. And, we, and then in Wichita, the Summer of Mercy in 1991, there were 70, a clergy, 70 clergy arrested in one event. And it was just clergy. That event oh, was okay. just wow. clergy okay. saying, we are not going to let you open this abortion mill. And they all got arrested. Now, at this point, when, when you're saying clergy back then, are you referring to any denomination, uh, you know, ministers and, and um, preachers or specifically like Catholic clergy? Okay, Both. so they're all together. Mm-hmm. Both. Yep. We had Catholic priests getting arrested with us, Catholic bishops getting arrested with us. We had Protestant evangelical ministers getting arrested with us. And it was it was really interesting because, as you know, there is a lot of suspicion and at times uh, antagonism, quarrelsomeness between the Roman Catholic world and the Protestant world or the evangelical mm-hmm. world. But there was a grace that was present that was part of why I became Catholic, mm-hmm. frankly. I mean, when I started Operation Rescue, I was hardcore Protestant and fairly hostile to Catholicism. But hanging out with all of these Catholics who love the Lord, they didn't speak my language and I didn't speak theirs, but it it led me on the Mm -hmm. path. Right. And, but it was beautiful to see people from all these different denominations getting arrested together and going to jail Mm -hmm. together. It was being, yeah, you know, you're yeah. in jail with people of different denominational backgrounds. The hostility tends to go away because yeah, right. yeah. we're all in we're this all together. For, so how many times have you been arrested? I, I, I was arrested a total of 49 times. Can you remember the first the time you're, I mean, what was it like that first time as, as you got cuffs put on you? Uh, we were, we went into an abortion clinic it was 1986. We went in with a bunch of big chains and bike locks. Seven of us went in mm-hmm. at eight in the morning. As soon as they opened the door, we just walked right in, went into one of the killing rooms and chained ourselves to the oh, gear. Okay. 
And the police finally showed up and they cut the locks and they said, okay, you're under arrest. And they said, no, let's go. And we said, we're not leaving. And they said, yeah, get up. We're going. I said, no, we're not. (laughs) So they were so angry. They cuffed us and then they suspended our weight from the cuffs. So they, they were dragging us down the hall face first. Wow. I mean, I remember bouncing, boing, boing, boing. It, 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 (laughs) <laughs> were you worried that like your shoulder might be disarticulated or something? There was so much adrenaline going through me no, at that point. Have... I do, you know, so the, like the Los Angeles the police in 89 were really physically mm-hmm. abusive. I remember that pain distinctly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, but anyway. I mean, as, as you're watching, say, the past... Uh, I, what was your opinion of the cops back then? You know, I was thinking this morning, if if what happened to us in some of those years then happened to us today, we'd have millions of dollars. <laughs> <laughs> millions. Yeah, tell me because, about it. Yeah. Well, sometimes they were just so abusive. Uh, do you guys have the ability to play a clip of something? Uh, yeah. Yes. If you send like a, because I know that now, of course, you you're po- forgive me for uh, for even asking. Mm-hmm. Your podcast is mostly audio, but also video. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we yep. just started getting into video, but I yeah. should be able to play this, something. This will be video. Well, if you want to, if you want to, uh, you can go to randallterry.com. Uh, there's a five minute promo there. We're we're actually in the middle. We not in the middle. We just started production of a multi series documentary. The story of Operation on Operation Rescue. Okay. Mm-hmm. From eighty-seven to ninety-four, so and there were there most of the cities. To be honest with you, the police were professional. Mm-hmm. A lot of police uh, departments are heavy with Christians, mm-hmm. right. depending on where you are in the country. Los Angeles, they were brutal. Oh. Uh, West Hartford, they mm-hmm. were brutal. I heard Wichita in Atlanta, was bad. they really <clears throat> lost their cool. Uh, Major Burnett, you can see him on film actually kicking a protester in the face and knocking oh, wow. him over. Okay, here we go. Yeah, so that's that's the clip. If you want to show a couple minutes of it, it's it's kind yeah, of fun. Ahead. Well, hold on. We got unexpected error. Please reload the application. That's just for you. You guys can see it? Well, if you don't yes. get it, for anyone who wants to see it, it opens, as you can see, with Oprah Winfrey. Um, we, you know, at that time, we were huge news. Huge news. Mm-hmm. All over the country, the New York Times, Washington Post, Oprah, Donahue, 60 Minutes, Meet the Press, Good Morning America. I mean, we 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 took the abortion issue, I say that in mm-hmm. quotes, from being a back burner political issue to being front and center in the American debate because thousands of us were getting arrested. Yeah. I mean, you, you just couldn't ignore it. Yeah. I'm going to see so, if this works. Yeah, let's see if we no, can get this. No, it's not working, I guess. Okay, we'll we'll. Well, okay. another time, and we I, I want to invite your 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 listeners and your viewers mm-hmm. go to randallterry.com, and you can watch that clip. And if you want to give a contribution, we're we're starting to do crowdfunding to raise the money to make it. But we we've been hauling around footage, documents, newspaper clippings, for thirty plus years. It, yeah. Way back in the day, I hired a camera crew to follow us around and, mm. and captured all of this on on broadcast quality <laughs> gear. 
because in my gut, I mean, I was in my 20s, but in my mm-hmm. gut, I knew that this was going to be historic and that one day we would want to tell the story. Yeah. yeah. So here we are 35 years later and it's time, time to, to tell it. the story. Yeah. So at one yeah. point, um, Operation Rescue seemed to kind of start losing steam. What, what do you think caused that? Uh, well, there were there were two major things. Uh, maybe three. One of it was that from 87 to 94, there were over 70,000 arrests. And many of us in leadership were getting arrested multiple times. You, you have the fatigue mm-hmm, factor. Mm-hmm. Then we started to get lawsuits against us. So I filed bankruptcy in, in November of 98. Mm-hmm. I had 27 active lawsuits against wow. me from the abortion industry on the day that I filed wow. bankruptcy. Jeez. And ultimately, I ended up losing everything to Planned Parenthood and to the NOW Mm -hmm. attorneys. Uh, So you had the lawsuits, which were starting to frighten people. They were using RICO, uh, Mm, organized crime statutes against us. We won all of them. Ultimately, we won. But it's still frightening. But it was very scary and it made our numbers decrease. But what really broke the back of, of the movement was a bill that became a law signed by Bill Clinton called the freedom of access to clinic entrances. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we just and talked it was about that last week. A bill week. that was designed to make what we were doing peaceful sit-ins at abortion mills. It was designed to make it a, a federal yeah. crime. First offense was a misdemeanor, second offense was a felony. Mm-hmm. And you guys know lately this law face has been in the news a lot yeah. because of Mark Hauk mm-hmm. and Joan Andrews and these other people that are being unjustly persecuted and prosecuted under the face law. But when that passed in 1994, it effectively broke our back as far as a huge civil disobedience movement that it was over. Yeah. Yeah. We've seen that uh, just coming up again lately. Um, Tell me of all the different cities you were arrested in, what was the dirtiest, yuckiest jail cell you ever, ever had to be in? Atlanta. Atlanta? Really? Yeah, it was a holding tank in Atlanta. So sometimes if it's like a Friday night and you get a whole bunch of people getting arrested for various petty crimes in a given city, it takes them a while to process Mm -hmm. everyone. Yeah. And, man, I remember being thrown into this cell. It was one cell. It was, you know, probably just a little bit bigger than my studio, maybe about the same size as my studio. There was 30 of us in Oh, wow. And it was filthy and it stunk and it was wretched. But that was, you know, that was a holding tank. When you go into the system and then you're in Mm -hmm. there as an inmate and you've either got a cell that you're sharing with someone or your own cell or you're in. I mean, one time in Houston, I was in solitary confinement with murderers. I mean, there were people around us that were literally murderers because that's where they decided they were going to keep us. And, you know, there was a cot. One bulb in the ceiling. There had to be one blanket. Oh, I, I, do, I just remember it being cold. And, you know, I spent five days there. It was no big deal, but it was just weird. I mean, it was it was really it was nasty. Yeah. yeah. Did, do you think that, did they normally, was it normal to put the protesters in with the other population or did they sometimes isolate you guys or? It depended on the city. Sometimes they put us in with the general population. Sometimes they kept us apart. I think some of it had to do with 
if they were afraid that something would happen to one of the pro-lifers and that they'd have a lawsuit on their hands. Oh. But when they put us in with the general population, we were always making friends. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're trying to lead people to the Lord, telling them why we're there, uh, praying with people, reading the Bible with people. It was uh, it was a real opportunity for some jail yeah. evangelists. Yeah, I, my grandma, my mom, and like four of my aunts were all arrested in Buffalo. And the one thing that stuck out to me is they did all kinds of evangelizing while in jail. Yeah. They converted several people in jail. Yes. So babies were saved in jail. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Women who were pregnant in jail and were planning on killing their baby. Oh, pro-life women would be there with them and start talking to them. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. You know, that brings up something. Have, Have you run into people who are alive today because of rescues. I had two women, maybe 1990, it was either 90 or it may have been 91, two separate women come up to me and say, here's my baby. Mm-hmm. I saw you on Oprah. Oh. Two different women, two different cities. Mm-hmm. I saw you on Oprah. I had an appointment to kill this child, but I saw you and I couldn't go through with it. And because of what you said on TV, my baby's alive. Wow. That's powerful. I have, beside, with the exception of those two children, I have never met personally someone mm-hmm. who was saved. But we know that we saved thousands of mm-hmm. babies. When, when Wichita happened in 91, a year later in 92, they held a rally and they invited the moms who had been scheduled to abort to come to this rally and bring their babies. Oh, uh-huh. And it was there were dozens oh, of wow. women who had the courage wow. and the nobility to come and say, here's my child, here I am, and these people saved my baby, and I'm so glad they were there. So in that particular event, I think we had 26 or 2,700 arrests over the course of the summer in Wichita. Mm-hmm. And we saved dozens of babies that were at that event. We don't know how many scores or even hundreds that we saved because the moms never came forward. Yeah. Yeah. I got to shut my cam off for a second. (laughs) So, you know, I remember, um, Randall, you once describing, and, and you were talking about why something like Operation Rescue is needed. And you were talking about how the government is kind of this big, kind of lazy blob that needed to be poked in in one spot until it would finally get the clue and start paying attention to that, to that poking. And that's, that's what part of what was going on here, aside from the individual babies saved that day. Um, In recent times, well, first of all, with the, the face act back during Clinton, but then especially as we've seen things almost escalating, um, it seems like there, that view of the government is a little bit um, either outdated um, because it, it seems like the government is much more specifically hostile now than than it was like like from this uncaring lazy blob to uh, where it wants to kind of target and and crush things like our movements. Well, it depends. It depends on your administration. Mm-hmm. So in the Reagan-Bush years, 
we enjoyed uh, a lot of sympathy from the federal government mm-hmm. when Clinton took office. Oh, it was all over. You know, Janet Reno, his attorney general, she was hellbent on crushing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She said in a press conference that one of her top priorities was to crush Operation oh. Rescue. So it depends on the state government, the local government, the federal government, the, the impact. Mm-hmm. But I, I want to do a quick review of, of history for your listeners and viewers. If, if you look at the major uh, civil shifts, the, the paradigm shifts, the upending of the status quo mm-hmm. to something new, and, and I'm speaking of the American Revolution, mm-hmm. the abolition of slavery, women's voting rights, the end of child labor, the end of segregation, breaking the back of Jim Crow laws. There's a symmetry with every single one of these movements that is required in America, at least, if you are going to change the Mm -hmm. law. So remember, it used to be illegal for women to vote, and now all women can vote. So that's a complete upending of the status quo and replacing it with something new. So here are the five elements. Every single one of these movements and the Stamp Act, the Mm -hmm. Boston Tea Party, number one, was they had radical rhetoric, Mm -hmm. very intense rhetoric in every single one of these movements. Number two, they had incendiary images. So whether it was cartoons back before, um, not cartoons, but etchings and Mm -hmm. drawings back before the camera or after the camera and then after video footage, there were always incendiary images Mm -hmm. being used. The third thing is aggressive actions. There were people who were in the streets. People were getting arrested. People were getting beat up. Aggressive actions. And then the fourth was serious sacrifice. Women went to prison. Some of them were threatened with being put in an insane asylum. Mm-hmm. In the, seg- in the, the suffragette, anti-segregation in the, movement, the civil yeah. rights movement, people were killed. People were beaten. Yeah. Uh, in child labor... And in the labor movement, there were beatings. And then the fifth thing for every single one of them was verifiable victory. No children die in coal mines anymore. Mm -hmm. No little girls are working in textile mills. No restaurants can discriminate. Right. The Jim Crow laws are dead. Child labor is dead. All women can vote. No one can own a slave. So... The goal of the pro-life movement, the end goal, Mm -hmm. is to make it a crime in all 50 states to kill a human being from conception until birth. Right. That's it. That is our goal. That's our mission, to make it a criminal act to kill a human being from conception till birth. To get to that verifiable victory in all 50 states, we must use these social tools, these social weapons of radical rhetoric, incendiary yeah. images, uh, aggressive actions, serious sacrifice. We will never get to the end mm-hmm. if we surrender these weapons and lay them down at the feet of our enemies. Right. So you have well-meaning but misguided pro-lifers who say, don't call abortion murder. Right. Yeah. What? Right. <laughs> it is murder. Yeah. Of course you should call it murder. Oh, don't show pictures of aborted babies. What? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this, these are the victims. Of course, you're going to show these pictures. 
but they want to be nicer than Jesus. They don't want to rock the boat. They don't want to have people hate them. And therefore, they are not effective in getting the end result. Mm -hmm. Now, I love some of these groups that you've mentioned and other groups, but I'm telling you right now, there are people in some of these organizations that raise millions of dollars, by the way, and it is their policy to not show aborted babies. Yeah. It is their policy to not say that abortion is murder. And let me, to, to show you the severity of how evil that is, picture yourself as a cameraman mm-hmm. or a video <clears throat> photographer, right. a filmmaker who got into Auschwitz okay. during yeah. the Holocaust. And you saw the Jews, you saw the piles of bodies and you took pictures and you took video footage and then you got out and you were safe and you were, you were in England or Canada or America. You're totally safe and you've got all this footage and you don't show it. Crazy. Yeah. Nuts. What, what are you at that point? A collaborator. You're an accomplice. A collaborator. Yeah. You're a collaborator. You hit, you nailed it, dude. So these well-meaning pro-lifers who hide the truth are unwittingly collaborating with the baby mm-hmm. killers. And I don't care what they say. I don't care what excuses they give. Oh, it'll hurt the feelings of women who've had an abortion. Oh, okay. So we're not going to show pictures of the Holocaust because it'll hurt the feelings of the Nazi guards right. or the Germans who rounded <clears throat> up the Jews. It's absurd. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It makes no sense and at all. When I... If we want to um, listen to someone's ideas Mm -hmm. about how to end abortion or what to do or not do, uh, one of the disciplines that I encourage people to do is take the word abortion out Mm -hmm. and insert the word slavery or insert the words killing Jews. Yeah. And if when you say it, about slavery or killing Jews, it sounds stupid. It is stupid. So it might sound really clever. Like, well, we just want to love them both. <laughs> okay. Let's, uh, let's use yeah. that for the slave owner and the, and the woman that he's raping and is his slave. Mm-hmm. We just well, want to love, love them both. both. Yeah. That yeah. does sound stupid. <laughs> it sounds yeah. insane. Yeah. So I do want to love the mom and we do want to love the baby. The point is the mission of the pro-life movement is not to change hearts. It's to change the law. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So there was a Monday in America where you could own a slave. And then the following Monday, you could not own a slave. What changed in that week? It's the law. The law. Yeah. (laughs) I don't think many hearts were changed. The law was changed. Yeah, yeah. And you know those those you know who who I mean, one of the other uh, uh, attacks against the the pro life mission often is when people try to bring up that well, if you would do this or if you would do that, there would be fewer abortions. Yeah, and it's like, well, that's kind of besides the point, because the point isn't that we want fewer abortions. The point is that we want every baby to be protected by the law. Yes. So there is a very fierce debate in the pro-life movement 
Some people call themselves abolitionists. Some people call themselves gradualists. It's a it's an ugly debate for insiders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot yeah. of name calling. But so the question is, should we try and pass a law that demands parental notification of a minor girl who wants to kill her baby? Should we pass a law that the woman, before she can kill her baby, has to see an ultrasound Mm -hmm. of her baby? And the I would say the answer Mm -hmm. is yes. There are others who say no, because you're saying that it's okay if she kills her baby. You just want her to see an ultrasound first. So the illustration that I heard many years ago that I believe is I'm a hostage negotiator. There's a plane full of hostages and terrorists have the plane. I go to the terrorists and I say, I want everyone. And he says, no, but I'll give you the children because their diapers stink. And I'll give you these four old people because they're drooling and they're too hard to deal with. Uh, get them mm-hmm. out of here. What's my response? Say, yes, send them out. Yeah. Okay, fine. I'll take them. I'll be right back. <laughs> Which, and then I come back and I say, now I want all the women. Yeah. In other words, my goal is to get everyone off the right. plane. That's my goal. But I'm not going to say either you let every single person go right now or you can blow the whole damn plane up. Mm-hmm. I don't care. No, that's yeah. not yeah. that's not how it works. So there are well-meaning <clears throat> pro-lifers who say we will not accept anything other than a law passed that says abortion is murder, which it is, and that there are criminal ramifications for the doctor, the boyfriend taking her, and the woman herself, which there must be. There must be some you know, mm-hmm. penalty for everyone involved. Otherwise, we undermine ourselves. So that's that's the latest big treachery. Mm-hmm. National Right to Life, who that is one of the most evil, treacherous organizations on the planet, National Right to Life got a bunch of pro-lifers to sign a letter that said it is not pro-life to punish women legally who have an abortion. Oh, wow. Yeah, I remember that. (sighs) So they said if you, you know, yeah, we'll have we'll have criminal sanctions for the doctors, but not the mothers, to which I say, (laughs) you're telling me that the one person who controls the fate of that child more than anyone Mm -hmm. else that you're going to say to them, yeah, you can get four. Are you 46? You can go to another state and kill your baby. No problem. You can go to a back alley. You can go to a good doctor who's just doing it illegally. Mm-hmm. And a cop comes to the door and she's got, are you 46 in her hand, the abortion pill? And she says, what are you going to do, copper? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pops it in her mouth. Says, here, you want one for your girlfriend? Even Pope Francis disagrees with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> probably the least pro-life pope we've ever had but even he has said that no the the women who hire an abortionist is like hiring a hitman and yes should be dealt with you have to, so even if it's a fine mm-hmm. at the beginning yeah, it might be what if it's a 50 dollars right fine? just something because she has to, to be fingerprinted that, yeah. mm-hmm. get her picture taken with the numbers mm-hmm. and then there and then she, she would be afraid of the bad press. She'd be afraid of being labeled as a lawbreaker. It's a deterrent. Right. And, you know, we can quibble over what the penalties should be and how they could change over time. I get that. Like mm-hmm. drunk driving. I mean, you used to be able to drive down the road and drink a beer while mm-hmm. you're driving. Yeah. There were no laws against drunk yeah. driving. And as time went on, the laws changed as, as society's demands changed. But we've got to have something, some 
penalty must be present. Oh, I've had people say, well, you just want them to have counseling. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. All right. How do you get them in the mm-hmm. system? How do you force them to have counseling? Yeah, you, you can't unless you, there's a criminal allegation. They have to be in the system for you to require yeah. them to get counseling. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't know. The, we, we see the direction that the, the pro-life community goes in nowadays. And like I said, me and my brother grew up watching our parents getting arrested and, and part of the fighting, which was uh, it was uh, inspirational to us, you know, when we saw all this happening. And then we see what's happening now and it you get this sinking feeling in your chest. It's like I on the one hand, we did overturn Roe v. Wade. On the other hand, we can't win like this. It's mm-hmm. like no, you yeah. said, there Roe needs to be Wade, a clear victory. One of, one of the premises of the documentary that we're making, and I beg people to go and watch that clip at randallterry.com, and then please make a contribution to help us pay for this. Making documentaries is expensive, believe me. Um, Roe versus Wade would never have been overturned without Operation mm-hmm. Rescue. There's yeah, no chance. I agree. Yeah. Because what Operation Rescue did was it gave teeth to our mission politically. If you look at England, France, Germany, Abortion is there to stay for the time being. There is no political party, no political movement committed to outlawing mm-hmm. it. Right. But in America, because of Operation Rescue that helped create the religious right as we know it, it became a litmus test inside of the Republican Party. Yeah. We, be, we forced, we, we, we helped to force the Republican Party to become the pro-life party. Yeah. And to have a litmus test for candidates for judicial nominees. Mm-hmm. And President Trump, God bless him, figured it out and said, I promise you that if I'm elected, these are the people who I will choose from and we will overturn Roe versus right. Wade. So without all of that social tension that was created, like the civil rights movement created right. social tension. Operation Rescue, the rescue movement, as we called it, was so big that it dominated the news on many evenings. But today, most people don't even know that it happened. Mm-hmm. Right. When you ask a 30- or a 40-year-old, hey, you remember Operation Rescue? Huh? They're like what? a deer in yeah. the headlights, huh? What are you talking about? <clears throat> because winners write history. Yeah. And because they have been kicking our butts for all these years, we were not the ones writing history. But now that Roe is overturned, mm-hmm. I mean, you can see footage of us dancing on the grave of Roe versus Wade. We used to say, in the 90s, I would stand up and say, we will dance on the grave of Roe versus Wade. And it's happened. Yeah. But we got here through politics and social tension together. Mm -hmm. But the political firepower would never have been present without the social tension in the streets. Jerry Falwell got up and said, Politicians see the light after they feel the heat. <laughs> I like that. So we we provided heat and light. Yeah. So you know you and I you do go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say you you mentioned the religious right, and and that kind of brings me to something that that I'm I'm curious about. So in our uh, corner of the world, which is Cincinnati, and then also 
looking at certain other figures, um, let's say like Cardinal Bernadine, um, with his so treacherous, exactly man. treacherous. So we we developed this, and and we continue to have this um, view of American Catholic bishops that, in general, they just don't really want to associate with the real pro-life movement as, as you've described that it needs to be. Did, did you have, I mean, you, you mentioned there were Catholic bishops, there were Catholic priests who were being arrested as part of operation rescue. Um, did you ever have any interactions uh, with, with uh, say bishops in the Catholic church back then you weren't Catholic yet um, that seemed like they were rather cold towards you for what you were doing? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I did. Um, that's funny. Yes, I did. We, I, I want to be mm-hmm. careful what I say. There were a lot of priests arrested in Operation Rescue that are now bishops. Oh, okay. There's at least five that I know of, and I, and I should have had the list in front of me. Um, the one in uh, Nebraska, who, who's Lincoln, Nebraska. Very, very conservative. Uh, and then there's <clears throat> Coakley, I think his name is. Please, please forgive me. I uh, People can do their own research. I believe right now... It, we'll put together a list bishops. and put it in the link. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah the there's at least five notes. bishops who were priests at the time and are okay. now bishops. And also, my memory is there were seven bishops arrested oh. with us. I did not so, know that. We need to put, that, we need oh, to yeah. put their names I, up. I knew there were priests because I've known priests who were arrested, but I never knew there was a bishop. That was Bishop uh, Vaughn, one of them? Bishops, yeah. <clears throat> okay. Yes, Bishop Vaughn was arrested nine times. Wow. He's in that video clip, the one that I've been telling mm-hmm. you about to watch. Okay. At Randall Terry. He's in the right. clip. He's in the clip speaking. He's in the clip getting okay. arrested. Uh, wow. I um, I just See, didn't this know there is were, why, because... You know, I now I'm going to be like the, the pro-life mendicant. This is why I'm begging people, please help us fund this documentary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting here with two devout Catholics, hardcore pro-lifers who literally didn't know that there were priests who are now bishops and that there were bishops at the mm-hmm. time getting arrested right. with us. It's such a huge, compelling story. Yeah. And it's you know been in a storage shed, literally. I, right. I, I've been renting... It's not storage. I've been renting office space, air conditioned, heated, so that it wouldn't right. deteriorate for thirty got years. All this footage. I've been, I've been, I've spent tens of thousands of dollars hauling this stuff around just to preserve mm-hmm. it, right? Because I knew that the day would come, and and ultimately, we're going to give all of this when we're done with the documentary series. We will pick a Catholic college who wants it, and we'll mm-hmm. create a, an, an area, a couple of rooms where. Graduate students can come and they can look through these archives because they're, they're astounding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, a, it's astounding what God did through a bunch of ragtag kids and, and courageous grandmas, grandpas. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I was, I was leading people who were literally old enough to be my parents and my grandparents. And, and many of those were devout Catholics, just, just their... Mm-hmm. Praying the rosary and you know, going to jail. Okay, here's a... We've talked about before, Dan and I, about the, 
the uh, importance of leaders, especially in grassroots movements, to to give the followers the way forward and to kind of watch out for those who aren't maybe all there and might go in the wrong direction, like violence or severe violence against people. And now, aside from that being an issue, now we've got the FBI uh, creating these psyops where they actually uh, get a group of, say, not so bright pro-lifers and say, hey, we're going to go blow up this building and kill this guy and then arrest them and act like they've they've. Did that? Do you think that kind of thing existed back then? I don't know. I know that we were listened to and followed by the FBI. There's no question Mm -hmm. about that. Yeah. But what I. Courage is not the absence of fear. Right. Courage is doing what's right in spite of your fears. We must have courageous leaders. Let me put it this way. It's easier to temper a bold man than to embolden a timid man. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I would rather have a young, aggressive guy or gal who I have to temper than have a timid person going, oh, we don't want to show babies. Oh, we don't want to Mm -hmm. say it's murder. Oh, we don't want to cause any problems. You know, you light a fire under them and you're going to get rump roast. (laughs) Yeah. You're, you're, it's just, it's almost impossible to get them to be courageous at the level that is necessary. So for people who feel that God is stirring them to hell with the FBI, Mm -hmm. to hell with them. If, if they are right now servants of evil, you know, ambassadors of Satan, so be it. While we still have the freedoms that we have, and we still have the the right to free speech, the right to practice our religion, mostly, uh, you know, I don't care if the FBI is profiling those of us that say the rosary as potential terrorists. I'm, I'm holding my tongue by the words that I would want to say if it was just us guys having a beer together, but I don't care. Yeah. yeah. And the, these, these people are evildoers. They are, they are blossoming because of the Biden administration. But I'm going to go a step further. And this is one of the ways that you and I can work together. The Catholics and the evangelicals that voted for Biden have blood on their hands. Mm -hmm. They sinned against God by casting a vote for Biden. A grievous, mortal sin. Yeah. You can go to Catholic churches and you can see Biden bumper stickers, Obama bumper stickers on cars. This is treachery. This is Mm Judas-esque. Because Biden said that he would kill babies. Biden said he would support transgender surgery on little children before the election. And yet Catholics, by the millions, 50% of Roman Catholics voted for Biden and Obama Mm -hmm. and Hillary. One third of evangelicals voted for them. Wow. And we're supposed to be servants of Christ. So if you, if you say to a guy, Hey, uh, you know, he, he knocks on your window on your car and he says, excuse me, can you give me a ride? Oh, what do you need, buddy? Oh, my mom is sick. I got to go to the drugstore and get her some medicine. And my neighbor is hungry. I said, I would go grab some food and I need to go to the bank because I'm low in cash. So I'm going to shoot the teller and I'm going to rob the bank. Would you please give me a ride? 
If you say, sure, I'll give you a ride, and then he goes and gets the medicine, and then he goes and gets the food, and then he goes and shoots the teller and robs the bank, when the police arrest him, the person who drove the car is an accessory mm -hmm. to theft and to murder. He can't say, she can't say, oh, I didn't believe in that part of what he yeah. was doing. I just believed in getting medicine for his mom and food for the hungry. Right. But I don't believe in abortion. Yeah. No. So these people are in, they're they're insane and it, it's 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 treachery of the highest order. We need to call on them to repent, but more importantly, we need to say to them before the next election, if you vote for Biden, you are committing a sin against Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, where the most intense conversations I've had are, have been with priests and bishops over mm -hmm. this. Yeah. Yeah. So who's the guy in Philadelphia it. right now? It's yeah. an Hispanic Altman, name. James Altman. Father. No, no, no. no. The, the archbishop in Philadelphia. Oh, the one who. You I can look him up. I, I don't have my computer okay. in front of me. Um, but I had a face to face with him before the 20th election with Biden. And I said. You know that Biden is, a Biden is a baby killer. Will you publicly mm. state that it is immoral to vote for someone who promotes the killing of children? I said, you don't even have to say yeah. his name. Yeah. Just say You're... that theologically, you cannot ethically vote. vote for a baby mm -hmm. killer. Yeah, Paris. You can tell that I get animated mm. and intense about this because we should have ended this Holocaust decades ago. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The presence of child killing in this country is the immediate fruit of treachery in the Catholic church and in the evangelical world, but more the Catholic yeah. church. And I say that as a Catholic. Right. And the reason is because 25% of the population in America is Catholic. About 50% close to that inside of the Democrat party. Depends on what stat mm -hmm. you read, but the, I'll say it like this. The single largest voting block inside the Democrat Party are Roman Catholics. It's, it's shameful. Yeah, shameful. Yeah. This is a party committed to murdering babies, sodomite marriage, transgender mutilation of the genitals of little boys and little girls. This is from hell. This yeah. is satanic. And yet the largest voting block for those people inside are Roman Catholics. Why is that? Well, you know... It's about tradition, yeah. but it's about money. Yeah, exactly. It's about the billions of dollars that have been given, billions with a B, to different Roman Catholic charities and hospitals, mm -hmm. and the bishops not wanting to piss off the people that are giving them money, so the bishops don't say anything. Mm -hmm. They just are silent. When if they would just stand up and say, you can't vote for these people. It's a sin to vote for them. Well, I don't care if you're going to take away our money. You cannot vote for someone who promotes the murder of babies. That is why this Holocaust continues. That's why the homosexual marriage movement has taken root. That's why the transgender... I mean, how, how many bishops have you heard speak out against the transgender insanity? I don't think any. I think I've heard any of them. I haven't heard a single Not word publicly. I mean, if, if I have heard any, it's been on this podcast interview that podcast and or something like that, you know, maybe somebody yeah. gets, uh, you know, somebody like, I don't know, who's the, the guy down in Texas, um, Strickland, Strickland. for He's example. A great guy. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. no, I haven't heard any, uh, speak out publicly. And, you know, we, we've said on this podcast before that, um, 
I mean, our view is that the American bishops, at least, are more bothered by abortion because it makes it uncomfortable for them to fully support the Democratic Party than they are because it kills babies. And I think yeah, for a lot a of bishops, that's really what, what, what it is. Uh, it's unfortunate. I had a confrontation with the bishop in not Louisville, Kentucky, but the one straight south of Louisville. Um, I can't remember. He was a strong, still, he's still a bishop, strong supporter of the homosexuals. Oh. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, he, and he, I'm having a face-to-face argument, confrontation with him. And he said, the Pope said that the climate change and the care of, or not the climate change, it was the care of immigrants is just as yeah. important as abortion. And immigrants. I said, he did not say that, but even if he did, it doesn't matter. It's so a lie yeah. in the pit of hell. You kill a person. That's the worst sin. Not whether or not you let someone cross the border. So, you know, part again, culturally, culturally, I came from an evangelical background. So my study in the scriptures, a lot of it is the study of Jeremiah, Ezekiel, mm-hmm. Isaiah, the prophets. Yeah. And the prophets said, woe to the worthless shepherds. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> woe to the men who sit on the wall. Isaiah said they're like dumb dogs, mute dogs. They don't bark. They're supposed to be guarding the city. The bishops, the priests are supposed to be guarding the city. And they're sitting there while we're being overrun. So... It's easier for me than for some people, probably culturally, to speak up against bishops yeah, who are silent. Speak up. Yeah. Their treachery is known in their mm-hmm. silence. But culturally, we have a duty to speak out and speak up regarding the silence of our bishops. Yeah. Because that's why we have child mm-hmm. killing. Yeah. So uh, did you see irony in the fact that uh, throughout your life you witnessed maybe some, I guess some bishops did join in the fight, but the mass, vast majority didn't. And that's the church uh, you ended up in. Interestingly, um, the bishops and the priests back in the 80s and 90s were far more mm-hmm. aggressive. Really? They were far more courageous than they are now. There's been a lot of castration going on. And, and, you know, disemboweling yeah. of, of the guts of, of Catholic clergy in the last 30 years. But when I came into the church, I came in right at the height of the, of the pedophile mm-hmm. scandal. Yeah. So I did not come in because I saw valor and courage. I came in because of my study of, of church history and study of theology and a conviction, a growing slow conviction that this is where God wanted me to be. And, you know, it's mm-hmm. been hard. Yeah. Yeah. I miss I miss the the elegance, the courage of the evangelical mm-hmm. world. Yeah. I miss it terribly. And I you know, I, I I again, I it's easier to temper a bold man than embolden a timid man. And a lot of these priests, God bless them, they have been castrated, inviscerated, disemboweled by their training. And, you know, the good guys, uh, they get sent to exile. Yeah. Yeah. 
You have a priest who speaks up and says the stuff I'm talking about, and the bishop will shut so him up, move him out to the, the furthest corner of the diocese, yeah. or like give Father him a parish Pavone, with 22 they people. They just defrocked. Um, yeah, Father Pavone, uh, priest for life, uh, a more extreme example of that. Or Father Altman, who who was the one who said, hey, you can't vote for Democrats. That's a sin. Yeah, Father Altman is the best example as far as I'm concerned. And we went up there. Mm-hmm. I went to his bishop's mm-hmm. office and led a protest. Oh, yeah. We got news coverage against that bishop. I did a, I did a video uh, that got a lot of views specifically regarding his bishop oh. and the treachery of that <clears throat> bishop. That was... Callahan, right? I can't remember. Callahan. There's so many. There's so many bishops. I, I can't. I can't keep them straight. I apologize. Okay. Yeah. We've... My mind isn't what it used to be, brothers. I'm getting old. You see this gray hair here? What do you think? You think that I'm making this up? That this is dyed? No. I've earned every single one of these. Okay. Um. So what I do think you do? we've gone more than 15 minutes. Yeah, yeah we've, we've gone more than, We've got a whole hour. <laughs> this is going to be spread out over two podcasts, I guess. Um, what are you doing now? Well, I, I ask you for your prayers. Mm-hmm. Um, in my gut, I believe what I'm supposed to do right now is to create a publishing company that does comic books, books, documentaries, films, live action films to promote beauty and truth and life and to fight against the godless messaging of Disney, Marvel, uh, um, DC. You know, they're introducing superheroes now that are baby or that are homosexual, Mm -hmm. lesbian, bisexual, transgender. They're literally creating superheroes for small children who will be in their beds at night, you know, with their iPad, reading this, and then searching online, oh, what does that mean? And then bang, they're moving into a realm of of sexual addiction or sexual confusion that is satanic. So we're doing the documentary Mm -hmm. on Operation Rescue. The, The working title right now is Dragon Slayers. How the rescue movement led to the fall of Roe versus Wade. We have Time Boys, the time travel movie. Mm-hmm. Um, can we put a plug Absolutely. out for that? Yeah. One? yeah, we'll put that. So, timeboysthemovie.com. We've won over 60 film awards for this movie, and it comes out streaming on various platforms on April 1st. But you can watch it right now uh, at timeboysthemovie.com. Okay, yeah. Timeboysthemovie.com. We'll link to that. Timeboys 2, which is the sequel. That's where this oh, t-shirt okay. comes from. Timeboys 2 is in the can and is now in editing. Wow. It's in post-production and editing. Uh, we are discussing a movie right now about human trafficking, mm-hmm. sexual trafficking, uh, with a young girl who is online looking and gets sucked into a situation where she goes to meet someone and is kidnapped. We are, um, well, that's enough for right okay. now. We've got, You've got, we've got a lot, got, of, got two lot of stuff going on. Books to me. A lot we, of projects in the air. Yeah, we two people have submitted <clears throat> books to me, which are really mm-hmm. cool. And I 
you know, storytelling is so central. Obviously, Christ told stories. And, you know, when you look at the life of Walt Disney, he was brought up in a Christian home. He, He probably did not walk out his faith very well towards the end of his life, but he believed in God. He believed in right mm-hmm. and wrong. He believed in good and evil. Yeah. <clears throat> he would vomit oh, if he absolutely. saw what Disney yeah. was doing. Yeah. How they have uh, they have taken the mouse hostage, taken I mean it's it's just horrendous. Yeah. So I'm a warrior. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. what I am. And uh in the Rocky movie where Rocky was talking to Apollo Creed just before the Russian killed him, he said, Whoa. He said, Oh, we're warriors. And without a war, we're no damn good. <laughs> so I, you know, I, I, people don't want to listen to me too much about pro-life anymore. They want young people, which is fine. So I'm helping train young people. Yeah. I spent, I spend a lot of time on the phone or in person with young people ex- telling them, do this, just trust me, do mm-hmm. this and you will make an impact. And they're doing wow. it. I'm having a lot of fun being the guy behind the scenes, but I want to make movies. I want to tell stories. I want to fight for the minds and the hearts and the souls of young people. And I don't want to do it with predictable ghetto yeah. films. Yeah. <clears throat> if you watch Time Boys, it's not a Christian mm-hmm. movie. There's a priest. It's a time travel yeah. movie. Yeah. There's a priest in the early 1900s. There's a priest in modern times. They're a Catholic family, but it's a it's time a, travel movie with some really good it's story. <laughs> it's not good, a ghetto good, movie. Good. I'll have to send you a script. All right. Oh, you have one? I man, making movies is a trip. I'm telling yeah. you right now, it is so difficult. People have no idea. You want to know the the elements of a good movie? What's that? All right. So you have to have a good story. You have to have good actors. What goes in the lens has to be good. What mm-hmm. you see. Yeah. And then you have to have great yeah. sound. Those four things. If you have a great story, but crappy yeah, actors, it's work. no good. Yeah. If you have a great story, great actors, and your cameraman doesn't know how to capture what's going on, it's no good. If you've got great visual, great actors, great story, but the sound is horrible, forget mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Because your ears won't forgive. The most important element to a movie, believe it or not, is the sound. You know it's what, more important than what you see, see because your eyes will forgive, your ears yeah, right. won't forgive. When I first saw uh, The Passion, Mel Gibson's movie, the theater I went to had a bad copy of it. The soundtrack was messed up. Oh. I, mm. I didn't feel moved at all by that movie. It's I walked out of there, I was like, this is stupid. <laughs> if you have bad sound, it is intolerable. Yeah. So when we when you watch Time Boys which I hope that the two of you will mm-hmm. do. Um, we spent a fortune. We spent more money on the sound than we did on the movie. Yeah. I mean, we've got superstars, superstar rock and rollers playing in it and singing in it. And they, it's just, a, it's just cool how they carry the film. And in time boys Two, same thing. We've got some really famous rock and rollers on stage with me in the movie, in a fictitious band called <laughs> old school legends I told him you got to be 50 years old or older to be in this rock band. And so, you know, we've got the founding drummer for white snake. He used to be a drummer for Ozzy Osbourne. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've got one of the most famous bass players in the world who I think just turned 70. We've got the lead guitar player for Alice Cooper and Megadeth. You know, it's just, it's, they're, they're all stars. 
but they're old, old school. <laughs> we'll give it a watch. I am looking forward to uh, uh, to Time Boys two, and we will certainly watch Time Boys one. Appreciate it, guys. Right. It's been a joy to be with you. Likewise. <clears throat> hey. Uh... So anyway, oh, the other thing is if if you, if people go to randallterry.com, mm-hmm. we will be starting a podcast soon. This studio that you see, you guys know what we went mm-hmm. through today trying to yeah. get it the way we wanted it. We didn't quite get it. We're close. Um, thank you for your patience, by the way. But <clears throat> we, we're going to start a podcast, and we just rebuilt our website, randallterry.com, and almost everything that we have ever made is for free. Mm-hmm. So I don't do this for the money. You don't do this for the money. We do it because we're warriors, because we love God, because we want truth and justice. So we've made my website so that people can go and go, I'd love that book. I think you got to pay $1 for mm-hmm. shipping or something that's so that we don't get ripped okay. off by people. Yeah. But the movies, anything that can play online free, we, we I want this material to get out. Uh, a wise man once said at the end of our lives we are the accumulation of the books we've read the people we've met and the things we've done and so the inverse is also true at the end of our lives we are the accumulation in part of what we didn't Mm -hmm. read who we didn't meet that we could have what we didn't do that we should have so I'm making the material on Randall Terry live available for free because I think that it will have a big impact on people. And my latest book is at the printer right now. It's called divine correction, how God gets a nation's attention. Yeah. (laughs) So that book will be out soon. And uh, that's a very long answer to you saying, (laughs) what am I doing lately? (laughs) No, it's a good one. So are real quick though? Are you, um, supported in this work entirely by donations then? 100%. All right. Well, then, everybody, go out and donate. <clears throat> Speaking of what, copyright, uh, everything at a podcast about Catholic things is pod, is copyright-free. So I think there's some background music that isn't ours, but everything else is uh, if somebody wants to copy it and use it for whatever reason they want to, It's all there. It's all free. Hey, if you guys want to use some of my music as background music, you can use it for free, royalty free. Just say, hey, boys. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, that was from Time Boys. (laughs) There is some really cool music there. Okay. That's neat. I mean, I know you both got that rock and roll edge on you. So when you got a moment, we'll play the, go to the soundtrack Mm -hmm. at at timeboysthemovie.com. You can actually, you can get the soundtrack. But play it on good speakers, really yeah. loud. Yeah. Because there is a an amazing amount of production there. The man who produced that soundtrack runs the Elvis Presley studio, the studio that was built for Elvis okay. Presley oh, here wow. in Memphis. And he um, he's been nominated for a Grammy Award. I mean, mm-hmm. he's a genius, mm-hmm. genius engineer. So what what you'll hear there, you can see like holy smokes! I mean, this is really this is radio quality stuff. Well, as soon as I get up, I'm going for a two hour trip to Indianapolis, so I'll put it in the car as I'm driving and give it a listen. Good, so. you're gonna have to play it off your phone or something. But if you hit that first button, oh yeah, I it'll use play my the phone. entire soundtrack. Mm-hmm. I use my. It'll phone. play the whole yeah. soundtrack okay. if you hit the very top one. Okay, cool. 
Well, gentlemen, uh, it's been a delight. This, you're Likewise. our first guest ever. <laughs> yeah. we have, this is our very first. Feel uh, very honored. Yep, yep. But like I it's said, been you a were real your honor. first guest. What do you mean? <laughs> We've never had How a guest. How long have you guys before? been podcasting? Well, like two, three years. Three years. Been to 2018. <laughs> We have never had a guest. guest? Yeah. No, we just I, wow. I got your Man, email. I, it's like, oh hell yeah, Randall Terry. You were a household I'm name. So honored. Yeah, knew, I mean, we, everyone that's knew a who riot. you were. I thought it was oh, a I'm joke. Honored. Wow. And whoever your does your publicity, ask him. I thought it was a joke when I got the email. I said, Are you is this are you just joking? Or I said, like, Yeah, I'll have Randall Terry on. That's awesome. <laughs> That's hysterical. Well, I want to tell him that. I appreciate right. being with you guys. All right. Well, thank you, and hopefully we'll talk again some other time. I look forward to it. Appreciate it. All right. Have a good day. All right. I'm hit. I'm. You too.